0: song. We're in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, and we're going to be there. We're going to look at verses 4 through 9 for the next few weeks, and it's all up to you. I don't care either way, as long as you've got a solid Bible, but I'm starting to use the Christian Standard uh, Bible. You can get it for free on an app. We were looking at in Sunday school today. It's actually a pretty good app, but I find it's a little bit uh, easier readability and stuff, and you can stay with the one you got, but if, you, if you're if you like me, sometimes when somebody's reading a different version in church, it just throws me off if I'm trying to read something else, so we're starting with that. I'm going to, on Wednesday nights, We everybody was kind of quiet either way, but we're going to continue to look at this section of Scripture, and the reason is, this, this section in Scripture is really important to me. Well, Pastor, all Scripture should be important to you. Yeah, I get it, but you need to read this either once a week or daily while we go through this, and because in this small section of Scripture are the keys to live the Christian life. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. You also, I have memorized it, but I have to continue to memorize it, and I have to use memory tricks, because when we get into whatsoever is true, whatsoever is da-da-da-da-da, see, I haven't had it all memorized. These are the keys on how to really live the Christian life. And I started with uh, Philippians 4, 6, Do not worry about anything except pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's already done. I was dealing with worry, and I needed to learn that scripture. Today we're going to look at verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say I rejoice, and I appreciate you singing the song and that a lot of us know. and. Uh, he, you know, Paul's giving us a solution here. And you've got to ask the question, obviously I named the, the sermon Rejoice, and your points are going to be Joy. It's about the word J-O-Y, and your action step is always choose joy. And you need to ask the question, is joy a choice? Yes, it is. And we can either choose temporary happiness or we can choose continual joy. And as I've been studying this section of Scripture, I'm trying to wrap this, obviously I've heard this, uh, you've got it memorized now. You've got a verse memorized, <laughs> Philippians four four. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We need to, you know, you would think, how in the world is he going to preach? Either it's going to be a long one, short one, whatever, on just that section of Scripture. But this is, there's a lot of meat on this bone. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because Jesus said we struggle. John 16, 33 says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 1 Timothy 3, 12, Paul says, Live a godly life. If we live a godly life, we will suffer. And I know it may not be too popular for the pastor to say, Look, the Christian life, yes, while it's wonderful, and we have the hope of salvation and we can live in joy, doesn't mean it's going to be good here. He, Paul says, if you live a godly life, you will suffer. He In Acts, we say, after many tribulations, Acts 14.22, after many tribulations, we must endure many tribulations before we take a hold of the promise of God. Why am I ripping that band-aid off for us? Because we need to stop with the false gospel that's presented that if you become a Christian, your life's going to be okay. Now, your life eternally is going to be great. You have Jesus, you have his salvation, you're good with God, and you have the Holy Spirit, but we still are called to live this life. And in general, this life is hard. So we need to understand that. And you are being sold so much all the time, be happy do whatever makes you happy. If it feels good, do it. And what happens, it's a carrot that's continually being put in front of you, and it's the next thing. You can choose temporary happiness, or you can choose continual joy. And so action step today, if you don't get anything out of it, is always choose joy. So we need to unwrap that and see what the difference is. And and, why he says this and how can we consistently have joy in an unstable world and that's what paul is talking about in philippians and once remember where's paul writing this from well he's an apostle he's writing from apostle's heart no paul is writing this from prison and he's telling them to rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice and some of you may know this and some of you may not but paul was a roman a dual citizen he was a jew he could have been another top official with the jews he he was persecuting christians and then he came to christ and then the jews didn't like what he was doing because he was dangerous and so they 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 arrest him and they get the romans involved because the romans were the overall government at that time and then paul says hey i'm a roman citizen and Roman citizenship, you either had to buy into it or you probably could be born into it, but very few Roman citizens. And when they found this out, it's like, why did we arrest this man? But Paul, very interesting to me, Paul got an all-expenses-paid mission trip paid by the government to go around the world and spread the gospel. He went all the way to Rome to appeal to Caesar. He could have got off at any time, and he's in prison in Rome, He hears about the church in Philippi that is struggling and he's telling them rejoice in the Lord always. So I want you to really put that in perspective. Paul's writing this or somebody's writing for him. He's in a house. He's chained between two soldiers. He's waiting months, maybe years to go before the court, you know, and he could have gotten off at any time. And he's telling us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He had faced false teachers. We just got finished with Jude, and that's the main thing. Watch out for false teachers in the church. He had faced bad people. He would faced problems. He had faced death. If you look at his resume, he was stoned, left for dead. He had been shipwrecked. He, all these horrible things that one of them, if they happened to him, would, would decimate us. And again, this is the guy saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And he said again, I say Rejoice. There was a need to rejoice because the church faces persecution. That church in Philippi was in disunity that Paul's dealing with. If you've ever been in a church where there's been disunity, it is not a fun thing. And I remember one of the first churches we went into... And uh, after we got from seminary, and it's like people in the church saying, this lady doesn't like this lady. And literally, they were sitting on other sides of the church. And it wasn't the fact that the church was divided. They used to be best friends, and they got in a fight, and da 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 and now they're against each other. And one was nicer than the other. Okay, I'll just say that. I can say it now. Okay, but <laughs> one was easier to deal with than the other. But, man, disunity in a church last church i was in that's the main mission was you know uh, ephesians talks about the fact that we, we need to be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace guys our unity we don't have to all be on the same page in the sense of be alike but we better be alike on jesus and what he's about because a dying world doesn't need they don't want anything where people are divided and we are, I'm not talking about the church, but our society is very divided. So, this, in Philippians, they were dealing with persecution. They were dealing with disunity. Oh, they were dealing with grumbling, complaining. None of us ever do that. And here you've got Philippians do everything without grumbling or complaining. Division, false teachers, and they were having fights in the church. Sounds like a church you want to go visit, you know. No. No. And then they were dealing with compromise, and they were being tested, and they were being tempted, and all this stuff and Paul's writing to him about these issues in verses one through nine he's saying, "Be spirit, stand firm spiritually, and then you get to four chapter four and verses two and three he's saying grow grow in harmony in the church, and I know I'm not musical, but you can tell i mean i can't i don't know notes and stuff, but you can tell when somebody's off sometimes, even me, you know not all the time, but and then you, you see those people, that sometimes a lot of times it's in families that they sing together and they do different parts and just their voices just go together and, in harmony. That's what he's talking about here. Paul's like, basically like, you guys got to stop fighting. You guys need to get in rhythm of Christ. And so he's saying that verses two to three. And then we see in verse four, he changes to maintain a spirit, a life of joy, this Passage addresses the problem. How can you continue to have joy in a joyless world and I know it 's hard to believe because you may be one i 'm not trying to label anybody because sometimes I can be one but there's a lot of joy suckers out there. their glass is always half empty and i will i I will say the ones that they're always being Pollyanna and everything's okay and they 're not being realistic you know that'll drive me nuts too okay but there's so many joy suckers out there, and it doesn't necessarily have to be people, but Paul is going to address her. how can you continue to have joy in a joyless, unstable world? Because, my goodness, I get the news even though I may not get it the way everybody gets it, but when you're throwing around nuclear war, <laughs> you know, and that's not being political when somebody's just being crazy about even threatening that, that could kind of make your life a little unstable. And we all know what to do, us that are older. We know if a nuclear war happens, we just get next to the wall here, put our head between our knees, and kiss our butt goodbye, okay? That's what we... Okay? But that's what we were taught in school, right? <laughs> nuclear war... <laughs> nuclear war, that's what we were taught. That was going to save us. Get it next to a concrete wall, put your head between your legs, and wait till it's done, okay? Anyway. So that can make you a little unstable, right? And then... For these younger generation, you know, you may not understand inflation, but you understand we can't afford something. We all do. Pandemic. um, The fact of being politically divided, and there's nothing political about this. The media and social media is pushing all that. And that's nothing political about that. So there's a lot of things that are making this world feel more unstable. Can I afford this today? Am I healthy enough? Do I have my job? Do I need to get a job? Why work? You know, all these kind of things that we're dealing with. And so he's saying, how do you find joy in a joyless, unstable world? And can you, can you be stable in an unstable world? Now, Christians, I want you to think about this. It's not about being perfect. It's not about having it all together. But what does that look like when a lost person... See somebody that may be a little bit calmer on the situation. I'm not saying we like any of this, and I'm not saying we don't need to be prepared, and we need to be wise. But those of you that know Christ and have the Holy Spirit and know how the book ends, what does that look like to someone that's just seen all the stuff I mentioned and there's no hope? And we're both walking through this unstable world. I think it looks attractive, and, you know, just, that's my son texting me. So anyway, thank you. Okay, it's his birthday today, so I thought I had that on silent. But anyway, um, in an unstable world, that's attractive because, you know, when you have a problem that you're dealing with, it could be financial, it could be plumbing, it could be electrical, it could be hunting, it could be fishing, I don't know. And you want to know something, when you hear somebody that has had that problem and dealt with it, guess what you do? You listen. And so Christians, it's not about presenting. We've done that long enough, and, this is, and guess what? We're all hypocrites. Let's just be real. We don't need to be fake, but we have the answer. And what does that look like to a lost person that all they're seeing is everything I brought up, and it is bad? A reason, so Paul continues to call and command us to live a stable life of joy, to make our life complete, to be spiritually stable, to always have joy. Joy is the key to being stable in an unstable world. Now, do I understand joy? Boy, we get into it at Christmas and all that kind of stuff. No, I really don't, but I need to, and obviously, he's saying rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. So, we need to get this joy thing figured out, and this is why this section of scripture is key, and so. We look here in <clears throat> Philippians 4, four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I've got an explanation point there. So I think Paul's saying, this is what you need to do. And it's so important, I'm saying it again. Rejoice. Be glad. Be joyful. It's a command to action. I cannot... You've heard the saying, you get happy in the same pants you got sad in. And we know... Joy is a choice, but we got to understand what joy is and what it comes from. And I really feel we've been sold that joy is happiness, and it's not. Let's, let's take happiness off the table, and let's understand what's going on here. And so that's the theme of verse 4. Joy is the key to, a sta- joy is the key to stability in an unstable world. So let's look here. So you've got two commands in one verse. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. And so what we are see here is Paul, this, this is a command. It's an imperative. He's not saying, hey, maybe you should do this. He's talking to believers. And if you don't know Christ, if you haven't had the hope of Christ, this is not going to do you any good. Because your problem is is you're headed to hell, just like I was headed to hell. You can't save yourself. You're never going to be good enough. Time of invitation or whenever today meet Jesus, we'll help you, and then you can rejoice that you're secure and you have that hope in him. So he says it's it's a command, and he calls believers to continue to rejoice. So it's not just a command, it's a habit. You know, they they say, whoever they are, it takes 30 days to develop a, a habit, and also, when you're trying to get rid of something, you've got to replace it with something. So you know who you are in this crowd, because I am our one. If you're a grumbler, and if you're a complainer, then we've got some work ahead if we're going to switch to rejoicing and joy, and this is a command, and it's an action, it's a solution to an unstable world. So your first feeling, to always choose joy, means that joy is our goal. Again, it's to be glad, and we're going to understand in What? And I can't manufacture joy. You know, sometimes your wife, your your spouses, or whoever may want you to do something, and it's like you're really excited about it, and you let them know you're really excited about it. And I don't really have a poker face, uh, but there's some times, you know, when it kind of ekes out in what I say or what I do that people can understand I don't want to be here and I don't want to do this, okay? And so what—I'm not talking about today, okay? <laughs> but— but but we need to understand, we can't just say, okay, I'm going to be joyful. We're going to have to get into how. And we know, obviously, Jesus, but we need to unpackage that. We do this by knowing true joy. And see, that's the difference. We need to have a knowledge of what, what is joy? What is true joy? And so what that means is you've got to have a knowledge of God. God is the key to rejoicing. No no Jesus, K-N-O-W, and no peace. No Jesus, N-O, and there will be no peace. And so this is why I said earlier, if you don't know Christ, you're not going to know joy. And so we have to have knowledge, and faith comes from hearing, and hearing the word of God. And this is why Christians, you need to be in the Word, and you need to be in the Word regularly, and not just on Sundays, and not just you know in times that we meet together, but individually. That's a habit that you are studying the Word, spending time with God. If you, at any time you've been in any relationship, you you spend time getting to know that person. And you know, my wife and I have known each other thirty-seven years, and. You know, I, I don't know if I surprise her much anymore, but sometimes she surprises me. I said, who is this woman? I, you know, wait, you're changing the plans, you know, and I can do the same thing. And so we need to continue to know each other and know how we're growing. And that's God. And so the way we know God and know about his nature, his attributes, and he's the one that joy flows from. And so it's from knowing the truth, John 14, 6. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's actually John 8, 32. And Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. And so we know joy from knowing God. Psalms 1, verses 1 and 3 says this, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand the pathway with sinners or set in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season, and the leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. What he's talking about here is somebody that's taken time to know God. And those of you that walked with God any amount of time, Like the saying, you wouldn't take nothing for the journey because you've gotten to know him more than you did before, and you know that he's there for you. You know that he loves you, and we need to keep knowing knowing God by being in his word. And I mentioned about this section of scripture, what gets me on the memorization is when we get into like 8 and 9, and I had to mentally just like... I think uh, one part of 8 and 9 in the version I was learning, it spells out Logan Rogersville High School, because so, that list, long-suffering, see, long suffering. Uh, see, lo- lo- long suffering. I, see, I'm i going to have to relearn it, okay? I tell you about learning scripture and that you need to go over it, and guess what? I told you all these scriptures I learned, they took me aside in seminary and said, you got to learn these scriptures and show off. I could give a rip potato chip because they didn't do that. It's the fact, Jesus, I'm having this problem. Help. You showed me in your word because I'm knowing about him, and I memorized it to bring it back up. just as Jesus did when Satan was tempting him. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the first step of knowing God is being in his word, and then you need to memorize it. You need to recite it like we did today. You need to sing it. You need to repeat it need to hide it in your heart. Oh, he's always talking about memorizing the word. Well, I'm sorry. I don't care how old you are physically or spiritually. What scripture are you learning? What is God impressing upon your heart? Well, you learned one today, day. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Jesus wept. Don't know the reference, but I know it's in John. We got those down. You're doing great. Okay, but we need to repeat. We need to recite. We need to sing. We need to hide our word in our heart that we might not sin against God. The apostles did it. We see that in Acts. Moses' father was praising God and, and his word. We see that in Exodus. The result from knowing knowing the truth leads us to freedom. You see what I'm saying? When you have knowledge about how to do something that frees you up somehow, some way. You know, uh, we were doing the training over in uh, Marshfield for the disaster relief, and we were drive to Marshfield, and we were in Amish country, you know, and and I just was following the Amish a couple of times at night, and they had that flashing light, which I'm glad they had the flashing light, and I put my hazards on too. But, you know, I, I, they choose. I'm not putting the Amish down. They're not going to know anyway because they're not on the Internet. But, uh, but, but but you know, it's got to be a little frustrating for the Amish, like, yeah, I got this horse and wagon, but I have to have this battery-powered life that's light on the back of my my wagon so I don't get crushed by a car kind of thing. It's got to be frustrating, you know, some of the rules, and I'm not against them, where it's like I can use this as long as I don't own it. I can use your chainsaw and cut up wood as long as I don't own it. But I go back to this freedom. Let's think of things that have been invented, that have freed up our time, that have freed up our lives. God's Word. Jesus Christ you will know the truth, and as I learn the truth, as I repeat the truth, as I sing the truth, I know the source of true joy. John 8, 32, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That leads us to rejoice. Hannah did it in 1 Samuel 2, 1, and, and David does it in Psalms thirteen uh, five. but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. And Hannah was saying in 1 Samuel 2.1, she prayed, my, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up to the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. So I want you to see how this works. We rejoice and we learn how to have joy by knowing God and being in his word. So what is the subject that we know about God that we can rejoice in? That Jesus saves. That he delivers us. You are not okay, and nobody's okay. Nobody here is junk. You are a creation of God. You are not his child till you receive his payment, and his ransom, and then you become a part of the family of God. But you are not junk, and he loved you so much that he gave his son to die for for you and for my sins, to be buried and to be rose again. And so he loves us. So I want you to understand how this works. I'm trying to unpackage this joy here. We've got to be in his word and know the truth, and the true message is the gospel that Jesus saves, that we are not destined for hell that we can be saved. Notice the whole action step is choose joy because you can choose to go to hell and there's nobody to blame but yourself. There's nobody to blame but myself if I don't choose what Jesus has done. To rejoice in in knowing we are are saved, that we are redeemed, that we are free. Your next film, we can always choose joy because our our Savior is the object of our joy. guys... It it sounds really bad, you know, when you're going through a bad situation. And, you know, uh, when we were doing training yesterday and and part of chaplaincy training, I guess I've I've helped you all. Anybody can be a chaplain because here's what you do. You just love people. You listen and don't say much. And here's the deal. So many times when somebody's going through something, we try to fix their problem, especially men. If we would just learn to shut up and listen to our wives and stay a little bit awake, and wives don't ask us follow-up questions just just to accept that we're saying, "Uh uh-huh, and our eyes are open. We love you, okay? But but the moment we try to fix it, it doesn't work, all right? We need to understand our joy is the only person that can fix our situation is Jesus. He is our Savior. We can't fix our problem. And so he needs to be the object of our joy. And so many times on this, well, somebody's dealing with something hard, and we'll be like, you know, let me fix that. Or we'll try to give him advice when we just need to love them, and just say, hey, that is horrible. We don't need to make light of bad situations. We don't need to make them worse, but we don't need to make light of it But so many times when we tell people to count your blessings and name them one by one and their life really stinks and you're glad it's not you, let's just be honest, this is not a Sunday school answer. For yourself, if all you have is Jesus and his salvation and your relationship with him, that's enough. That's why he's the only object. That's the only thing we can find joy in. Do I enjoy things? Yes. But they're temporary. They can be fleeting and they can go away. But Hebrews says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says that, Paul said, I'm confident that he's able to keep that which I've committed until that day. So you receive Christ. He is the object of your joy. So I'm not making light on anything that's going on in your life. But you've got Jesus. And like we asked a few weeks ago, is Jesus enough? Yeah. See how this is working? Joy is the goal. You know the goal by knowing Christ. And the knowledge that you know is that Jesus saves and you accept that for yourself. And so if you're going to have joy, now here's what happens. I do the same thing. The devil constantly is trying to get me to look at my circumstances. And that's why I've had to learn Psalms 1 112:7 He is not afraid of bad news his heart is firm because he trusts in the Lord. The devil is always going to want you to look at what's going on around you. Why he will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. I've decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. See what I'm saying? If you're going to have joy, you need to start to say look, the only Thing I really find true satisfaction in is Jesus. This is why you need to get to know him more because you may go, I know he saved me, but you know, I don't know him that much. Well, get in the word. Reread some things. Understand. Look at yourself. And, and the longer I walk with God, the more I know I need him. It's not because I'm getting worse, but I see, man, why do you, why do you have any interest in me at all and how much you love me and your grace and your mercy? So, that's your second part of that verse. You rejoice in the Lord. Jesus is the object of our rejoicing. He's the only source of our true joy. He provides that re- real joy. Our joy comes from our relationship with Christ, not our circumstances. So next time the devil tries to get you to focus on what's going on around you, yeah, you need to be aware, but the problem is is we're focusing too much on what's around it. And me included, how many times do we start with the word instead of whatever, what's the news today or what happened? Guess what? I want to say the world's not going to fall in if you don't listen to the news. and I'm not against that. But if you're not starting with God, it's chicken little and the sky is falling. Well, guess what? The sky is falling. But Jesus isn't. The joy of the Lord is my what? Is my strength. So real joy comes from not getting what you deserve. It's not getting judgment, but it comes from grace and mercy or salvation. Joy comes from, again, it's from a a grateful heart for all that we have in Christ. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. Jesus loves me. The gospel is the good news that he rescued us and that should make us rejoice. But so many times we get bogged down in the stuff when we consider what we really uh, deserve and when we ponder what, that we've come from a pit to the palace that we're a child of the king, that should give us great joy. Psalms 40, verses 1 through 3 says, David was saying, I wait patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up out of a desolate pit, out of the mud and clay, and set my feet on rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise uh, to our God, and many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. Okay, let's get to that part. Me included, how many times does anybody want what we got? Some of us Christians I talk about, we sit soaking sour. And I'm not about being a fake Christian. If it's bad, it's bad. And say it's bad. But guess what? Our Savior is good. And I'm saved. And how many times has David said that? How many? That's your, guys. Why would people want anything that we have if we don't have the joy of the Lord and are not practicing this habit? It's not about being fake. It's not at least I got Jesus. It's I got Jesus. We can rejoice in the Lord and the the Savior and, and the Lord that loves us and redeems us and forgives us as sinners. So how do we do this? Go the next, how often and how do we do this? Go to the next part of this verse. So we rejoice. That's, the, that's what we're called to. Joy is the goal. In the Lord, Jesus is our object. And guess what he says? Always. Really? You know about my day? You know about my week? That's what we say. Do you know what I'm dealing with? How do you do that? Always. It's a command, and it means in season and out of season. And you need to ask the question. and Don't even ask the question, what stills my joy? But there's a big list. It can be worry. uh, It can be loss. It can be work. It can be relationship. And you've got three things, three main areas where joy is trying to be sucked out of your life. The world, James four four says this that we need to not be a friend of the world, and that doesn't. And we need to be in the world, not of the world. We need to be reaching out to the lost. But the statistics are showing that a lost world can't tell the difference between a Christian. So what does joy look like? It doesn't. The world tries to steal our joy, our own sinfulness, our flesh. We desire to do what we want to do. And we need to fight that all the time. We can only do it through the fact that we're saved and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul talks about that in Matthew, that he struggles with that. But again, he's thankful for salvation. And then the devil, the world, the flesh... And the devil who seeks who he may devour. And we talk about this all the time. Christians, you may be secure in Christ, but the next thing he wants to do is put you on a bench. And we talk about it And then he doesn't want you to use you for the kingdom. And he definitely doesn't want you to get to know God better. And he definitely doesn't want you to talk to God better. That your joy may be complete is what Paul said. The only way we can survive all this is to rejoice in the Lord always. I want you to understand. You've got all these things all the time contending for your attention wanting you to choose temporary happiness instead of consistent habit of rejoicing. So this is why, you mean I got to rejoice when I have a bad day? You mean I got to rejoice when I don't like what's going on? You mean I've got to rejoice when, and God, these are, God is, God is trying to grow us, but God knows he's not out there being mean. He doesn't allow, he loves you. But he knows the things that are kind of our hot buttons. And Satan does a little bit, but Satan is not God. And it's not about God trying to push your hot buttons. But it's that area where he says, hey, do you want to trust me more or do you want to worry about this? And he's saying, why are you focusing on what is going on? Why don't you focus on me? And so... We need to rejoice that God, what do we need to rejoice in? We need to rejoice that God provides. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We need to rejoice in the privilege to serve God. Philippians 1.18 says this, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed and this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. And what he's saying there, continues to say there, is we need to rejoice that God, you choose me to bring the gospel to other people. And it's not just your pastor. If you've received Christ, why are we still here? I want you to think about that for a minute. You're here to say why Jesus is precious to you, you're here to give a reason for the joy that you have. And so that's your service. That's your ministry of reconciliation. One beggar telling another beggar where to find food, where to find joy. And we're here to proclaim His truth, the good news, the gospel. And what we see here is that Christ, that we can also have joy that He'll carry us through even past death. Romans 8 verses 38 and 39 says this, for I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. You need to probably look at that this week, and you need to go down that list and ask, what is stilling my joy? What am I choosing to let still my joy? Because either Jesus told the truth or he didn't. And he says here, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I guarantee you that you're going through something on that list. Nothing can separate us from God's joy. Nothing can separate us. This produces great, knowing that should produce great, deep, lasting joy. But again, always. Habit. In the Word, my only source of joy is Jesus, and I'm always going to practice having joy instead of grumbling and looking at my glasses half empty or being fake about the situation is really great. Okay? We can rejoice because Christ will never fade. He will never spoil. He will never expire because no one can steal our Jesus joy. And so what does it take to always rejoice, to rejoice, to be joyful? Because no matter what, Christ is with us. He said in this world he will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. And I keep talking about the 23rd Psalm, but the 23rd Psalm talks about God being with us and taking care of us all the days of our life. So when we rejoice in the Lord, um, so it's a call and a command for genuine joy for, that is only possible through relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we rejoice in the Lord, we serve the Lord, and then we honor the Lord. It's, like I said, it's a command, not a suggestion. So always sing and rejoice because of Christ, because of his salvation, because of his protection, because of his provision. Your last film, The Way We Always Have Joy, means we yield always to joy. Oh, my goodness. I don't don't want to hear my wife say amen, but I know that I always start with grumbling. I'm not looking for happiness. I really am not. But especially the older you get, you're like, I love people, but leave me alone and just let me be happy. That's the sinful part. Let's just put that to the side. I don't care what age we are, and the sooner the younger ones learn it, the better off they'll be than us but we need to yield always to joy because I'm not a half empty, but I do wait for the shoe to drop. I wait for the butt in the conversation. Hey, we're going to do this, but. Okay? Why? I'm in sin and that's wrong. Why am I even focused on that? He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm because he trusts in the Lord. What does that mean to yield to joy? That means I don't care what the situation is. I'm going to the fact that my joy is in Jesus and my relationship with him. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So what effect does this have? Uh, What would happen if a church chose joy? Hopefully we do. But think of the sins that would be overcome by a heart that rejoices. Greed, envy, gossip, pride, discontentment, grumbling. And so... As you think about this this week, I want to ask you a few questions. You know, what is, are you choosing joy? So let's look at these questions here. In this season and today, I, I don't know if they got the question. Okay, there we go. And I took my contact out because it's bothering me. I can read it though. Uh, <laughs> what's your goal? Because I'm going to be honest with you. This helped me. Going, Did I already know this section of scripture? Yes. Did you probably know this section of scripture? Yes. But amazing to me, we can go through a day, weeks, and months, and joy is not our goal. We wake up in the morning. I challenge you this week and today that when you wake up in the morning, I don't care what's going to happen today. I'm going to choose Jesus' joy. What's your goal? A lot of my goal is to make sure I have my coffee, that's a pretty good goal, and that's about it. Sometimes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, but that goal of, is it, what's your goal? Is joy your goal? Next question. What is, the, what is the object of your joy? Okay, let's get real here. Some of you have either learned for the first time or you've been reminded, I've been trying to get happiness. I've been trying to have the absence of trouble in my life, the absence of somebody bothering me or something bothering my life, and that's sin. Drop being happy. Choose the object of your joy. I, you know, I love my family. I love my church. There's a lot of people and things that bring me joy. But after reading this and studying this, we can only really have joy through Jesus. So why don't we say we love these things, and they bless me, and they make me happy, but they can fail me, I'll fail you. You'll fell me, we'll fell each other. If we make it right, that's the key. But what's the object of your joy? So this week you might say, okay, I love my family, I, I love my church, I, I love my job, I, I, I love this, that it makes me happy, but I'm not going to count on it to fulfill all my needs. Every day, joy is my goal, joy in Jesus is my goal. Next question, are you yielding to joy? oh my goodness, I always want to go there, like this is bothering me, it's driving me nuts, it's making me unhappy, I'm tired of this and I feel stuck. Sound familiar? Talking to myself this week and and during this season, you now see the command and you now see the call, so you're in sin if you don't choose Jesus' joy. We unpacked it a little bit. You need to be in his word to understand him, to get to know him, to love him more, to realize what he's done for you, whatever it takes. You need to sing and you need to praise and you need to recite. These need to be habits in your life, and you need to yield to joy because I always want to yield to whatever's going on in my life. That stinks. That is sin, and I'm wrong. What are you yielding today? Yield to his joy. In other words, to say, I'm only going to find joy. Let's put happy. You know, if you're happy, great. If stuff makes you feel good, great. But don't rely on it to be the substance in your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. As we stand on our feet and we have a time of invitation, this invitation can be two parts. Again, if you're trying to find happiness, and joy in anything other than Jesus Christ, it's not gonna happen. You can't manufacture that. You can't produce that. You need to come and realize you're a sinner and say, Save me and let him come into your life. But I think for most most Christians you need to take these questions this week. You may need to pray here and and deal with whatever, but you need to rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice and lay down all the junk that the devil wants you to carry. Take up your cross and follow him and choose Jesus' joy every day. Lord, however we need to be obedient to you, may we be obedient today. In your name, Jesus, amen.